0: you're listening to a podcast from the media motel coming up this week in episode 502 touring laurel canyon with jacob dylan
1: the days of teletext and dialodisc, disc and easy sleazy with jagger and Grohl. that's all coming up after buffalo springfield and for what it's worth
2: there's something happening here but what it is ain't exactly clear It will creep. It starts when you're always afraid. Step out of line, the man come and take you.
1: One that somehow conjures up a vision of Laurel Canyon, Sunset Strip curfew protests and California counterculture. All in two minutes, 30 seconds from December 1966, number seven on Billboard, Buffalo Springfield and for what it's worth.
0: Wow, I mean, uh, that is just, that's a song that speaks for itself, she says, speaking about the song. But no, I think that is that is just, it, it is. I remember the first time I heard that, and I just, I couldn't believe I'd never heard that song before. It's just something about it, I think, that is timeless. Mm.
1: Well, hello, and thanks for turning up for Parish Council episode 502. I'm Terence Dackham, and she may not be in Laurel Canyon, but it's near enough. From the foot of the South Downs in England, it's Juliet Harris.
0: <laughs> Do you know, I want to be re- introduced from the foot of the South Downs in, 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 in England, it's <laughs> Juliet Harris. I want that every week now. That is the greatest intro ever, I think, yes. Uh, if you're going to St. Leonard's, be sure to wear a flower in your hair. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, um,
1: any, any film or TV show documentary that is set in the Hollywood Hills or Santa Monica, I'm on board. Mm. Uh, I've watched Watched the movie Mulholland Drive several times just for the location shots. And if there's anything better in life than driving up Lookout Mountain to see the house Joni Mitchell uh, lived in, in in 1968, then I don't know. Uh, I don't know it. Laurel Canyon is one of the sweetest places on earth. Well, sweetest places on earth. And it was discovered by so many rock musicians in the sixties and seventies that you you couldn't visit it without tripping over one of them: the Joni Cass at the Doors, mm. Carol King, Brian Wilson, John Jackson Brown. Long, long list. I've seen so many documentaries about Laurel Canyon in the late sixties and early seventies that I wondered if there was any more to say about it. But then Jules, along comes Jacob Dylan to host a new film about the music that came out of the Hollywood Hills. What did what did you make of Echo in the Canyon?
0: Well, much like you, anything involving Laurel Canyon <laughs> yes. just makes me want to go and and it it, it it's hearing all, seeing all the 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 people, the Laurel Canyon, lots of the Laurel Canyon people talking about it was obviously great. I, you know, mm-hmm. the music is brilliant. I was frustrated by aspects of this film, this particular film, though. though Mm. Like you, I agree. You can never go broke with talking about this kind of stuff. (laughs) The thing that frustrated me about Mm. it 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 just seemed to me to be a film about Jacob Dylan. I mean, I know that my my film my my views on Jacob Dylan's father are well rehearsed, but I found I've found him. Oh gosh! I mean, so so the 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 premise of the film is that Jacob Dylan has made an album covering these songs and featuring some sort of modern day famous musician guests, and there's scenes from a concert where you know the guests come on and sing and that kind of stuff. I I just firstly I found Jacob Dylan to be very mannered. I was very struck by when he was interviewing these people and hearing their brilliant memories. He was he just didn't react at all. He wasn't mm. engaged at all with these people. He was just sat there looking very pleased with himself in <laughs> my view. Obviously other views are available. I did I did go into this wanting to like him. I saw nothing in his performances of the songs that made me think that he would be there if his surname was a different one. Mm. I found that very irritating I was particularly annoyed and it might well be that they that they were genuine but there was a scene near the beginning where Beck so, so Jacob Dylan is there with Beck and Fiona Apple I think and um, no Cat Power and Regina Spector that's it John yeah. Spector, and the four of them sat there why is it always the women that have to be asking the questions about the music and the blokes that go, well, let me explain that to you? Mm. I, f- I found that very irritating, which was then compounded by cutting to footage of the co- of the of the concert where Fiona Apple walks on to sing and then is just left standing there for the first verse so that Jacob can sing and then she kind of gets involved. I I would love to have seen a film. A Laurel Canyon film that was actually just about Laurel Canyon mm-hmm. and just about the music and, like you say, celebrating you know the the incredible creative creativity that was coming out of there. I mean, there were some really interesting and the interviews were all very interesting. I found Roger Mc- uh, Mc- McGinn very was it Roger McGuinn interviewed. He was very interesting. Even Clapton didn't come across as a complete wang. I mean, it was they, they were quite interesting in how they were sort of talking to. People. and they had a lot of people talking to them as well. David Crosby was like he always was, wasn't when he said it It was actually me that thought of that yes David I thought it might have been but um, it was it was it was interesting the sort of the links of the Beatles were were that was that was I thought that and the fact that Ringo then pops up and for all that we've talked on this podcast before about Ringo's slightly vexatious views nowadays he's not lost his accent has he he hasn't <laughs> done that whole LA thing he's still scales which I was rather delighted by it's a point in his favour for me but um I, I yeah I I just found the I found the conceit of you know it all being about Jacob and Jacob's kind of manneredness he didn't you know it was like you know i I just got the impression when he was interviewing they were just they were sort of there for jacob really just you know so that jacob could be making this film he i didn't get the impression he was particularly interested or engaged he seemed very cool and very mannered and i found that frustrating so i loved some of the footage on this it was lovely to hear from the interviewees i would have liked the film to be made by someone else please yeah, you
1: see, um, now that you're mentioning this, I'm beginning to sort of reevaluate and think I overlooked oh, these I'm sorry flaws. if I've ruined
0: it. I'm quite sorry if I've <laughs> no, ruined it for you. I feel really bad.
1: Now. No, no, I, I, I can sort of see these flaws now because I, I kind of adored, I adored every minute of Echo in the Canyon, mm. and I didn't know too much about Jacob Dylan, but I did. I found him quite charming and mm. um, a reasonable host <laughs> and um, you know a good band leader. But now you're saying now you're ringing those bells because he he did rather lead everything, and when the women guests came on to sing he did sort of rather sort of nod and say well your turn now kind of thing but but there was so much to love in this documentary i mm-hmm. mean I, the, the shots of um of jacob dylan driving an old automobile along sunset sunset strip to mm-hmm. the you know the the, the f- uh, oh the, the the footage of impossibly beautiful Michelle Phillips in 1966. Oh yeah, she
0: was and she and she seemed really Stumple lovely. Today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I loved her little that thing where she said um when she went round to, to, to see a sort of Brian and Marilyn and the, the front room was full of sand. Mm, and yes. she's and it was the fact that she said to, to Marilyn Brian Wilson's Wife, like, this is all a bit weird, isn't it? She was like, I know, but he's writing some good songs. It was just really yeah. it was I uh, yeah, it was it was lovely to hear from these people. You are right on that score I completely agree
1: yeah also lovely interviews with John Sebastian Roger McGuinn as Mm. you said and and David Cosby interesting interviewee but again once again uh, as you mentioned uh, confirming why he's so difficult to work with and his his historical anecdotes built on a mountain of disrespect for others particularly women were Mm. that that was quite alarming really and there's a well Well, you know (laughs)
0: Yes I, oh, yes, I was a lad, wasn't I? Yes, as yes, yes, yes. As my friend once described him as heroically awful, and I suspect yes. that is—that is. I mean, I'm intended to put emphasis on the latter rather than the former, but um, yeah, it's just the fact that again, perhaps a good choice to be interviewed by Jacob Dylan because it was all about him. I felt, as always.
1: Well, I think you see because of his um, connections, and he has had a successful music career with the, Is it the Wallflowers with his yeah, band? wasn't Yeah, I'm, I'm um, not. Entirely he knows all convinced. these people. It's yeah, it's. He um, does, I suppose it's I a bit like it. Claire Balding um, interviewing the, the Royals. You know, they they have known each other since childhood. So, but she, but um, she I thought expresses
0: that... an interest in them, though. Whereas I I didn't get the oh my my, 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 my nadir of Jacob Jacob mm. Dylan's moment was early on when he was uh, when he was interviewing someone whoever and whoever. It was it because he said, oh, so Dylan came out and Jacob Dylan says, hmm, you're going to have to clarify, mate, no one is confusing you for your dad. I'm sorry they're yeah,
1: not. <laughs> yeah. I rather like the switching between the archive footage and that band mm. led by Jacob Dylan because we, we only got snatches of it at the um, Orpheum Theatre as you said, covering and interpreting the classic songs. But, the, the, oh, the, oh yeah, there was one real high point. There's Jacob and his band tinkering around in the studio and then Brian Wilson walks into play with with the band. And he was very open and um, articulate and and chatty. Quite telling as well, and rather rather sad that – Cosby Stills and Nash all have to be interviewed separate
0: separately, yeah, with many yeah.
1: miles and much time between them these yeah, days.
0: Absolutely. They're they're not in the same place, literally and metaphorically, are they? And that is that is sad, really. I Stephen Stills was a little bit more all over the place than I'd expected him to be. But yeah, it was it was it was yeah, like you say, it is a shame that, that so much has passed between them, that they, they can't they can't go no. back, it would seem
1: exactly well i could never have enough of los angeles in 1967 and so this movie was a big win for me echo in the canyon is available on various streaming services including amazon and netflix which one depends on which country you're located in
0: yes very well summarized Karen. Thank
1: you. <laughs> coming right up the contrast between today's information-packed life and the days of teletext dialer disc and the vidi printer. Um, that's right after the internet...
0: easiest band ever to google so my apologies for that (laughs) but that was the the band's called the internet and that I, I just that tune is very evocative of sunny days for me. I'm hoping that sunny days are on their way. Uh, that is Roll brackets Burbank Funk close brackets. I first heard it on Six Music whilst I was driving, I think. And there is something about yeah, that it's... that tune, the 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 way that it coasts along, that really does suit driving on sunny days. Also, it it's not long enough, I think, in my view, which is why I have to listen to it seven times in a row, <laughs> Terrence, Whenever I listen to it, it's 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 I I find that I can just find myself looping it pretty easily.
1: I so agree about the driving aspect of it. I love the base runs on that. It's like a mm. runaway train. It uh, is. Absolutely is. along. Um, I can remember back in the 1970s when the football results were announced on the radio or television on a Saturday afternoon. If one game kicked off a little bit late uh, mm. due to unseen circumstances a failure of the floodlights or, I don't know, the team bus stuck in traffic or something, yes. the only way that my father could find out the missing scores, possibly to check if he'd won the pools, which he didn't uh, ever, (laughs) was to walk about a mile to the newspaper vendor uh, in in the town and to buy the late, late evening edition of the evening news um, newspaper. And it would have a little stop press column on the back page where at the very last minute minute they (gasps) typed in the late, late football results. That's
0: amazing. I can just imagine someone running down some stairs. That's incredible.
1: When when I started working in the media and had a friend who worked on the sports desk at the Daily Mirror, who I could telephone to get any sports results, Mm. uh, my father was absolutely overjoyed. He didn't have to go (laughs) trotting into the town centre. The football results were read out at five o'clock on a Saturday evening. And this was a time when lots of football fans would be streaming out of football grounds. And in the 1970s, it was still very rare for people to have portable radios. And if anyone had one Mm. tuned to the football results on uh, Sports Report, dozens and dozens of people would walk along Sort of in line in tandem with them to catch the scores as he left the ground, <laughs> and one of my friends was ahead of the world in many ways. He had a portable cassette recorder where, um, and it, he developed this practical joke that he would pre record <laughs> football results himself before going to see Fulham at Craven Cottage, and then gathering a crowd by on, on the way out, he would press play, pretending. It was the real football results he pre-recorded. Oh,
0: no. Them, and
1: he ensured he started off credibly. So it'd be, for example, you know, uh, Arsenal 1, Southampton 0, Aston Villa 2, <laughs> Brighton 1. But then he'd throw in something like Liverpool 0 burnley seven. Oh and wow people would be going oh my god did you hear what happened to liverpool and this brought you know it brought him really great joy and he, he did this for several <laughs> years foxing people with these uh full scores oh, on the way
0: wow up. i'm surprised well and, and then of course someone caught up with him and now he's he's no longer on this planet <laughs>
1: exactly, i see exactly yeah um, um, George, do you have any any memories of pre-internet information foraging
0: I do, yes, and this is very much of its time. I remember um, the first time that any any of my family had ever been on a my immediate family had ever been on a plane. Was when I went on a school trip to Italy in nineteen. Uh, I think it was not, well, but it was definitely nineteen ninety eight. And I know this because we we flew out, and uh, from Luton Airport, I know it was all very budget back then. It was the the airline was I believe called Debonair, Air, and it was one of the first <laughs> budget airlines that had a. That had a purple pink teddy bear waving as its mascot really ought to have been a sort of man in top hat and tails oughtn 't to it really I, I felt their branding was very poor but um yes we we there was a telephone cascade system in place amongst the parents this was a no one had mobile phones. No, I no. think we knew someone who lived next door to someone whose dad had a pager, but apart from that, it was <laughs> really not not the, you know wasn 't very widespread, and I remember this week we came home on on what well, this will become relevant we arrived home on good friday Mm-hmm. 1998 now now, speedy listeners will already be making the connection we landed at Luton Airport I rang my mum from a payphone because we did not have mobile phones in which she told me that the Good Friday Agreement had been signed Oh, right. and nobody knew obviously and I mm. remember getting on the coach and telling people and we then turned Five Live on I think and they were, they were talking about that and then when I got home I got back to Hastings I turned the TV on and checked the news headlines on Teletext and found out that George Michael had been arrested in a public toilet for soliciting. So, so, so that was how I consumed two very different news stories yeah. of the age um but but through these uh, like you say teletext saturday afternoons because were often spent if we you know, if i wasn't allowed to listen to five live we would be having teletext on and we would constantly be refreshing i still enjoy watching final score on bbc1 because i love the the idea of people reacting to results as they kind of, as they kind of come in a, a friend of mine made a joke the other day i was i was in a quiz team that was taking part in a competition he was the secretary of the competition he said I'll be refreshing the vidi printer on the night to see how you're (laughs) getting on there is there is something like you say there's, there's something lovely about the idea of um I suppose well, we talk, we've talked about slow TV haven't we previously mm. and things being slower and sometimes and I think the last year has particularly proved that sometimes mm. it is quite nice to not know what's going on I think I think there is a certain point where we get overwhelmed yes. either with constant yes. new things new new information or just the same old information I know, we, I know I make this joke every time we talk about rolling news but that lovely scene in Outnumbered where they come in to find the grandad rather bewildered in front of the TV who explains to them that there have been three train crashes in the last twenty minutes. <laughs> all of them in Kent, and there is just there's something about being battered with with not, either different information, or the same information that just is yeah. very. And the the idea it kind of strips the fun out of it as well. There was, I mean, they, they wouldn't be able to make that episode of the Likely Lads now, or they they try. No. There would be no avoiding those scores now. You know, there'd be no way they'd be able to to find a way of avoiding that. And there is there is something the extent to which you have to go this constant fight that people get into about spoilers on the internet and it's like you know it's not an ideal world but i love line of duty but i have another commitment on sunday evenings which means that i can't always watch it straight away Mm. i just don't go on twitter or facebook for a couple of hours until i can catch up and Mm -hmm. and it's like you know that's just what you have to do but yeah i i do A small part of me does miss, I mean, I will always have that memory, having the memory of speaking to my mum and her telling me about Good Friday and then getting on a bus and telling people and us listening to it on the radio there's more magic in that. That's more yes, of a memory that, yeah. that lives in my mind than, you know, the breaking... I mean, I will. I, I, guess, I guess I will remember when I was sat at my desk and I had the breaking news alert on my phone that Prince Philip had died. I will remember that. But, mm. um, but yeah, there is just something, you know... That, but And also the idea of experiencing it with other people, I think. I think this is key to it. I think that's, that's you know, the idea that yeah. that you have to engage with other people in order to find out what's going on is is you know is is, is something that that I, I think we're losing with push notifications and and you know just being able to look things up instantly on our phones I, I i it's another part of our communal experience that feels like the charts which we talk about which feels like it's kind of decaying away really
1: talking about um viddy printers and so on i can remember this really archaic it's a crazy system at football grounds in the 1960s mm. before public address systems Um, And around the border of the pitch would be um, these boards displaying letters marked A, B, C, D and so on, each relating to an entry in the match program where it would decode, say, H as Mm. Leicester v Watford or whatever. Yeah. And at half time, an old geezer in a brown overall would come out and place like the numbers 2-1 or 3-0 next to the appropriate letter. And that was really prehistoric. And then you you would go to your programme and say, oh, okay, D, let's have a look. Oh, that's Southampton v Tottenham. Oh, okay, And it's 1-1. Okay. It was was almost like semaphore. Um, But (laughs) I suppose I was in the cutting edge, in a way, of premium phone lines, because in the late... 80s, 1980s. I spent mm. a summer working freelance for British Telecom. I think it was still called the Post Office back then. Mm. And I announced cricket scores at lunch, tea, and close of play, and sometimes commentated pretty badly on Middlesex games. And people would phone up at some premium rate per minute and listen in. And it was—I remember it was very popular in offices where mm. the poor business would rack up. Huge <laughs> telephone bills as people listened into this all day, while they were they were doing their work. But on the other side, as a consumer, I I remember this um, other uh, archaic system, Dialer Disc, run by the post office, where you could dial up a number, I think it was 160, and you heard a random single from the top 20 on a loop, Mm. just one song repeated all day and evening, literally a single recorded onto a tape loop by the post Mm. office people, and... So uh, if you hit on a bad day, you might get Engelbert Humperdinck or Des O'Connor, because this was like late 60s. Yes. But on a good day, you might hit upon the Beatles or Credence or Stevie Wonder. And you just let it run and run on through this (laughs) tiniest speaker you can imagine. Oh,
0: yeah, Absolutely. Um,
1: it's like you know it's like a spotify playlist with only one track on it a really bizarre thing but we were you know we were sort of overjoyed when this came in
0: my <laughs> it's funny you should say that it was still going i think in the it would have been still going in the late eighties, early nineties, because I remember it will. This will always remind me of my my friend now. Whenever he used to, my friend Michael, whenever he used to come and see me DJ, every time I would play "Dub Be Good to Me" by Beats International, he would tell me excitedly that he used to ring up and listen to this on Deidah Disc, and there he would think. very much hope that that would be the tune that would come through. And he said if it was that, he would he would sit there for you know an hour or two listening listening to listening to to that on Deidah Disc. And every time I hear that record now, I always I always think of my friend Michael Wincott listening to it on dialer disc. And I think that is, that is again, such a, such a powerful, the Id- and also the, the antithesis of what we have now, yes, the idea really that you is. would pay money and have no choice over yeah. what you listen to. It was, it, it, it's not like, like sort of now, and, and and actually I do remember when iTunes first came in, being absolutely astonished that I could pay seventy nine p for any song I Anything. wanted, yeah. even if I hadn't heard it. For like, t- which actually most of the songs that I bought, I didn't have the, the the albums or I hadn't heard them for years. I think the first thing I was looking through my my records the other day. The first thing I ever paid for on iTunes was In These Shoes by Kirsty McColl. That oh. was the first the first thing I bought on iTunes. But yeah, the the idea that that I would pay my 79p and it could be anything that I had no choice over. It's just, but then it, it shows how people's it shows how people's expectations have changed, yes. doesn't it? You know, and and we always, we, you know, we we think about this a lot, and it's true. Everything that we talk about comes back to the idea that all of our expectations are so different. We we everyone seems to want more now. I think, or or we take a lot of things as just given already. We take the idea that we pay money and get total choice over over what we want, whereas people would just there was but again you lose the excitement of oh what's it going to be like you say there's that element of gambling that sort of telephone roulette you know yes. what are you going to get you know in the early 90s are you going to get dubby good to me or are you going to get timmy mallet and Bomberina? you know there's, there's <laughs> such, a, such a kind of a, you know a risk taking element to it isn't yes. there really so you know I,
1: tombola.
0: exactly i kind of miss I, a part of me sort of loves uh, even though i find it really strange i also slightly love it as a concept and actually when when, when I used to... I mean, I might do one day when we were allowed to, but when I used to DJ... Pe- certain people would get really into it and they, there was one particular guy that used to bound over to me towards the end of each song, and go what's next and I'd go well, you've got to wait and then, and then <laughs> I'd play the next song and he just used to find it really hard not knowing. and I said to him do you lose iTunes a lot and he went yeah I do and I went yeah so you're used to knowing yeah. exactly what's coming next so so yeah I part of me I don't want to be one of those oh everything was better in the olden days no. and people are so selfish no. and grasping now but part of me does think maybe we've slightly as weird as it is maybe we've slightly lost something by losing services like This The idea that, you know, that you experience something new i suppose really or just just a complete risk is is you know part maybe i'm romanticizing it but part of me would go and ring dialodisc disc now if i could <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes it would be quite sweet to, to sort of give that a ring wouldn't it to Exactly,
0: and, but, when, but when when would the when would the records be from would they be now's records when oh, are we cutting no, off dialodisc? disc i don't know i'm not sure when i want to cut dialodisc disc off 2010 i don't know anything about anything <laughs> off 2010 so let's call it that
1: Coming next, it's Mick Jagger and Dave Grohl with a new single all about the pandemic.
0: I know, I can't wait, can you? (laughs) What could
1: possibly go wrong? That's right after Foo (laughs) Fighters. What? Music videos you'll ever see. It's on YouTube, highly recommended, and, and, and Grammy award winning mm. video. One of the five singles taken from the album, There Is Nothing Left to Lose. This one, number 19 in the States, number 21 in the UK, from 1999 Foo Fighters and Learn to Fly.
0: That's just proper brilliant drive again it's radio rock for driving along to isn't it really i just i i love that it's it's proper it's proper aor i never know what's aor and what's mor but anyway i think that is that is proper sort of radio friendly kind of goodness i think i uh, i i I, that that foo fighters album with all the singles off it is is just terrific i i've been less interested them in the last few years but the early foo fighters albums are are great i think
1: uh, if we look up the stats for Mick Jagger's solo career, especially in the last 20 years. <laughs> so I'm uh, already
0: laughing, and I should
1: Yes, we might think that someone not surrounded by flunkies and yes men and and women might be advised that solo success is on a train long since departed, Mm. but wait, here comes Dave Grohl transformed from scary drummer with grungy alternative Rocky Nirvana to cheery man of the people, say no to drugs, gun control advocate. There's nothing not to like about Dave Grohl. So maybe just maybe if Mick Jagger decides to write and record a single about life during the pandemic, maybe Dave Grohl can jump aboard and create something special Let, let's hear a 30 second clip now
3: we're out of these
1: had a good listen to Mick Jagger with Dave Grohl and Easy Sleazy released this week is it is it on its way to the top of your charts
0: well i think uh, like many of these pandemic era veteran rock star tunes you can sum it up i think best with um with with a a phrase from dad's army particularly sergeant wilson i say sir sir, are you sure that's terribly wise and i think you can you can use this now interestingly i have a slight (laughs) um you know but having said this you say what's not to like about dave Grohl? Uh, dave Grohl is of course as we all know the nicest man in rock yes, this is his so. title this is it this is his thing lots of his views seem to be very sound he also has very wild lapses in judgment <laughs> which which occasionally and I, I say this slightly seriously yes. um so um the band itself um you know they've done things that are sort of um you know I know we all we all do things in our past that we perhaps regret but around the time of the tune we've just heard 2000 the Fight through their support round the Alive and Well AIDS Alternative Group, which basically were HIV deniers. Oh Lord. I and they went that. on record. They organized concerts. It was particularly the bass player, to be fair, Nate Mendel, yep. that was into it, had read a book. We talked about again. Oh, this is a halo the time. Read oh, this is oh, this yeah. is what's he his name? The banjo player from Mumford's again, yes. I think. Uh read this book, uh, pseudoscience, which is never a good word to be using about something, always uh-huh. good, and convinced his bandmates to go along with it. They were organizing concerts they um they went on record advocating for alive and well they had support Uh, to be fair Dave Grohl has w- sort of walked this back. He's he's thrown his his uh, support around the Elton, behind the Elton John's AIDS Foundation. So I like Dave Grohl for being able to walk these things back, but he's not without lapses in judgment. So this mm. is why I'm not entirely <laughs> surprised that he's that he's ended up. And I think in a way this is sort of equal ops, isn't it? In the in the Mick, Mick Jagger we've we've talked about Van Mo- Morrison and Clapton and all of these people making anti-lockdown sort of, you know, mm. anti, you know, sort of a not believing in coronavirus star yes. records. Now, this Mick Jagger single actually takes time out to take pot shots at, uh, at conspiracy theorists. So in a way, it's truly equal ops that he's made a record that's the counter argument to that. And it is still dreadful. So I think he <laughs> just goes to show. And, and again, it's it, it's a very even though he might be, quote unquote, on the side of right. It's not a dissimilar vibe to the to the anti to his sort of anti, antithesis, really, in Van Morrison and Clapton and co in that it's still a record being by, made by someone whose best years are behind them probably who is completely out of touch with what is going on and it is, as as, as the Simpsons newspaper clipping tells us, there is something that's still very old man yells at Cloud about this. I mean <laughs> it, even though it is, you know, it is taking a pot shot at, you know, the likes of Clapton etc and, and Van Morrison there's, there's still, it's still awful it's still not in the least bit good. It still hasn't added anything to the debate and it's this idea that you know that people that have been that were in their day like jagger and co and they were the go-to people because they were the biggest rock stars in the world what they had to say was seen as being genuinely relevant so you know the enemy would say would carry the headline being mick jagger's quote on things and like you say because of all the yes men, no one's actually taken the time to tell them that the people that are relevant anymore are not them and so so they keep making these records and yeah i and and so so you think. Dave Grohl, the nicest man in rock, might have steered clear of this, but it's another another um another lapse in judgment that makes me think. And also, if Dave Grohl really is a nice, and I think there are, you know, despite me using that example, I think that mm. Dave Grohl does seem like a decent, well well-intended chap, a very mm. friendly chap. He doesn't strike me as someone that would say to Mick Jagger. No, Mick. I don't think that's any good. <laughs> I think that I think that Dave goes was like, "Yeah, man, this is great. Let's do it as Sound City," you know. And, and and you know, sometimes puppyish enthusiasm can oh, have its limits in terms of of whether or not it produces great art. And I think we've very much hit those limits here.
1: Um, in passing, I have a horrible idea that there are thousands and thousands of pop musicians aching to release their pandemic concept oh, albums, and I mean, equal it, it, numbers of authors bashing away at their virus-based oh, novels. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know,
0: the, the art that is going to be produced by yeah. this is is well. I, I think it's interesting you make the point about the, the novels and stuff. And they were talking about this on um, on the Fortunately podcast. I can't remember if they were talking to it. I can't remember if it was it was Sebastian Folks or it might have been Robert Harris, one of those 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 authors, and they made the point between them all that actually if you want to produce a genuinely good piece of art about this a novel or, or an album about this this time the time to do that is not now the time is five to ten years time yes. when we've got some distance on it i think which means we're going to have to wade through an awful lot of tosh in the meantime
1: this jagger single is just simply awful it, it reminds me it of is. um Grammar School Sixth Form Bands in 1977 <laughs> trying to swap their so Home true. Counties so accents true. for, yeah like the Sex Pistols sneer. Um, I mean, his, it's like, his
0: mockney is son in oh, isn't it? Oh, man.
1: It, it's like an old man pretending he's in the Roxy with Sid Vicious 45 years ago. <laughs> um, it truly is an atrocious record. I suppose if Mick Jagger wants to waste his time on rubbish like this, it's up to him. But I wish he would keep it to himself. I, I wonder why, if he thought this was worthwhile why he didn't record it with the stones. And I wondered, did Ronnie and Keith hear it and then turn their phones <laughs> off and leave the country? Um, well, like
0: well it said, turns out they're not yes men, are they? They, no, they, exactly. they are the people well, that can still say no to Mick Jagger and go, no, Mick, I'm not doing this. It's probably it's, the, it's, the only ones rubbish. left
1: in the world. Yeah. Right. Uh, and like you say, I suspect Dave Grohl became entranced with the idea and now can tick, worked with Mick Jagger yes. on his bucket yes, list. Yes,
0: that's absolutely uh, it, isn't it?
1: it is a terrible record shooting the vaccine bill gates is in my bloodstream it's mind control the earth is flat and cold and it's all sneered out like kenneth williams impersonating johnny rotten yeah once again yeah (laughs) our often noted adage nobody to put the brakes on and call this out for what it is It's, it's just absolutely useless vapid empty overview of nonsense
0: it, it is, and we'll have two more from them later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Thanks very. Oh, yeah. Thanks very much for listening to Jukebox Jewelry. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Thanks very much for listening to us hating everything, as yes. always. The positivity um, kicked it. Lasted a long time, didn't it? But we're back to normal it, service.
1: um, you'll be featuring Easy Sleazy on your radio <laughs> show now, no doubt. <gasps>
0: Well, it's what the people seem to want, Terence. And um, that—that's me, the nicest woman in internet radio. Um, yeah, I—I I will be doing a show, probably not featuring. I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but probably not featuring Easy Sleazy. I'm not convinced that will make the cut. But yeah, I'll be doing the 48th edition of my Smooth Sailing show, which I can't quite believe. And um, from seven to nine p.m., uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning. So for me, it's this evening. And um, so if you want to listen live, it's seven to nine p.m. on Sunday evenings, um, on Mixler.com. So mixlr. dot com slash Juliet Harris, or just go to mixer.com dot com and search for my name. Um, but if you ever miss out and you do want to, uh, well, I say miss out. That's my view. It might not be your view. But if you ever want to catch up, then uh, and uh, or you hear this and think, oh, it's too late now. It's never too late because you can go to Showreel, which is on on my page. It's underneath the graphic, and that's and I upload all of the shows afterwards, so you can always catch up on old shows there.
1: To play us out, Jules, a band. That popped up to release one well-regarded album, mm. and then they, they they popped off again.
0: Yeah, very strange. This so so the band is Life Without Buildings, who were very much a, a cult of offering in the late 90s, early early 90s, like you say, and. So the, the album they released took on very much cult status and I think it was deleted quite quickly and it was very difficult to get hold of. I had a hooky tape copy that a friend of mine that I used to sit on the bus with to go to sixth form college made me, I think, if I remember correctly. And that, and I wore that out. I thought it was brilliant and I wore it out. And I just, just a fantastic record. Weirdly, they popped up to release a live album that they recorded in Australia in 2007 that was released in 2007, but again, I think it had been recorded some years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then, the the album that this is taken from, Any Other City, was re-released on vinyl in 2014. I'd unexpectedly, and they're about to re-release it again, I think, because again, it's just... it sold out because they yeah. deleted it. The version I've got that I bought in 2014. The expression "ring wear" applies to the sleeve. I think it is it is bashed up. I've just played it and played it and played it. It's it's like that I seem doomed to end up wrecking my copies of these of these albums just by just by overuse, really. Uh, the the lead singer, I uh, say singer, she does a lot of spoken word. Uh, Sue Tonkins. She um she went on to be a conceptual artist. She was nominated for the Beck Prize, I think, amongst other things. A very interesting um. Interesting, um, a band. I think just doing something that we talked about dry cleaning a couple of weeks ago, and you pl- you you picked that excellent track, Terence, that I really enjoyed, mm. and that's what made me think of this band. Really, I I they, they, this is the only comparison I can kind of yes. make in my mind this sort of uh, slightly spoken word driven kind of, sort of post rock type thing and i love it i think this is great and i th- every track on this album i think is a winner but i there's something about the the this is urgent and yet quite cool at the same time and i i really like it this is life without buildings in 14 days been listening to a Parish Council production.